Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Reconomy Podcast, where we discuss economic issues that impact real estate, housing, and affordability. I'm Odetta Kushi, Deputy Chief Economist at First American, and here with me is Mark Fleming, Chief Economist at First American. Hey, Mark, I've got a question for you as a homeowner. Hi, Odetta. Um, saying this with a little bit of trepidation? Sure. <laughs> Ask away. Well, the latest CPI report indicated that prices climbed 7.5% year-over-year in January. That's the fastest inflation since 1982. And one of the primary drivers of inflation in January was rising shelter costs. CPI housing was up 5.7% year-over-year, which is also the highest rate since 1982. So, Mark, my question to you as a homeowner is, are you feeling this burden of shelter inflation? Odetta, that's a really interesting question, and I assume it relates to our discussion today and what might seem like, honestly, a counterintuitive answer. I am not experiencing any effects of inflation for my largest single monthly expense every year, that is shelter, even though overall inflation is breaking records. And I will venture to guess that 65.5%, I'm picking up Odetta's statistical <laughs> precision here, of Americans aren't feeling that pressure either. That's pretty specific indeed, and it's also the homeownership rate. I don't think that's a coincidence. Well, you're right that my question is a lead into our discussion today. First, I want to mention that inflation is a very real concern, which is negatively impacting many households today. But Mark, what you were just saying actually illuminates an important point. Housing inflation is mostly detrimental to potential home buyers, not as much current homeowners. We'll discuss this point, why more and more homeowners will likely be rate locked into their homes over the next year, and what that means for supply. But first, inflation and existing homeowners. Why aren't you, a homeowner, feeling increasingly cost burdened, but I, as a renter looking to be a homeowner, if I could ever find something to buy, am feeling increasingly cost burdened? Um, listeners, I just counted more than 10 hyphens before I stopped in that phrase right there. That was impressive, Odetta. Thanks so much. Yeah. <laughs> I and most of my fellow existing homeowners have one key advantage over renters because our monthly cost of shelter, our mortgage payment, is fixed because most mortgages are fixed rate mortgages. We've locked in our mortgage rate and therefore our monthly mortgage payment isn't changing even as inflation rises and as mortgage rates go up co coincident with it. Rents, on the other hand, are actually at this moment increasing quite substantially, and landlords can raise rents as leases expire or are renewed. Because so many owners have locked or captured in those historically low rates the in the recent past, the current effective rate of interest on mortgage debt outstanding, mouthful here, was 3.4% in the fourth quarter of last year. The effective rate of what do you say that again? Yes, yes. The effective rate of interest. Let me explain. And we'll go back to an analogy we've used in the past. And let's start by picturing a bathtub. I don't know why I'm always the one that have to do these analogy pictures. But here <laughs> we go. You're so much better at it. <laughs> Water flows into the tub. And that represents all the mortgage dollars from the borrowers in the market as they buy homes and refinance at the market contract rate. So that's sort of the new stuff flowing in. 
while the water level in the tub represents the total stock of all the dollars of mortgages outstanding. And keep in mind, those mortgage dollars are coming in at all different points in time and sitting in the bathtub, and so they have different mortgage rates associated with them depending upon when they were the current rate. If you take the average of all of those mortgage rates or the stock of mortgage dollars in the tub at a certain point in time, you get the effective rate of interest on mortgage debt outstanding. Uh, basically, because the stock of mortgage dollars includes the new ones flowing in, but a lot more already there, keeping in mind mortgages uh, spend a lot of time in this proverbial tub because we take a long time to pay them down over 30 years, the effective rate of mortgage interest more accurately reflects the typical or average rate being experienced among all homeowners, just not the new ones, um, that are getting the mortgages today. I see. Well, many existing homeowners today have locked in rates below 3.5%. Meanwhile, contract mortgage rates are increasing. In the week ending February 10th, the average contract interest rate for 30-year fixed rate mortgages was approximately 3.7%. So for potential homebuyers like me, not only are house prices and rent rising, but so are mortgage rates, making it more expensive for me to buy or even to rent. Yet the principal and interest on your mortgage stays the same in this inflationary environment. But coming back to the discussion of the effective rate, how did the effective rate compare to the contract rate in the latest quarter, and what information can we glean from that gap? So this makes a really interesting point and gets to some of the things we've talked about in prior episodes of our podcasts. If enough existing mortgage holders have mortgages below the current rate, that stock in there, then the effective rate is lower than the contract rate. So in the fourth quarter, the contract rate was approximately 3.1%, while the effective rate was 3.4%. That means that more mortgages are below, on average, that current rate than before. And of course, the gap gets bigger, potentially, depending upon the dynamics of what's coming in the top. If we look back in the history, um, we, in the history of the difference between the effective rate and the current rate, we find that there's this general interesting trend. As current mortgage rates decline, and we've had long periods of time, recent history of current mortgage rates declining, that effective rate essentially trails down and follows the current rate down. Well, why does it do that? Because the, the financial incentive of lo the lower borrowing costs as represented by that mortgage rate incents people to sell and refinance. Using our bathtub analogy, you can think of that as higher mortgages in the bathtub flowing out the drain as people pay off those mortgages. And then they're getting new mortgages at a contract rate, which is lower than the one that went out of the drain. So the overall effective or average rate goes down. This is sort of a replacement process. And when rates are falling, you know, the drain opens up more, more things come off and more lower mortgage rates come in. And it trails down the other way. That drives down the effective rate. But when rates increase, the flow out of the drain slows down probably doesn't stop. We'll talk about that in a minute, but it slows down. Think of it as shutting off the drain. And so, the, but the ones coming in the top are coming in at a higher rate and that um, is not enough. And so the effective rate sort of stops going down, but it doesn't really go up. And so the contract rate deviates and the effective rate sort of stays the same. Sort of like you can imagine this sort of drops down, goes flat, drops down, goes flat, but makes a really hard time going back up the other way. And that's because the financial incentive to sell or refinance goes away, and the, inf the effective rate difference basically shows that relative to the contract rate. Whew. 
Well, you did a great job explaining that, and that sounds a lot like evidence of the rate lock-in effect. Homeowners who have locked into these super low rates have a financial incentive to stay put, and the higher the rates go, the more locked in these homeowners will be. In some ways, that's good because they won't experience that shelter inflation, and in fact, existing homeowners actually benefit from equity appreciation. But there's a clear downside here because if existing homeowners are feeling rate locked in, then they won't sell their homes. And as we know, the majority of home sales are sales of existing homes. That's right. And great for homeowners, but they are the source of the inventory for sale. And this is one reason why inventory is currently at historic lows. While existing homeowners are sitting on these high levels of equity and feeling wealthier, many of them have also secured those low mortgage rates. This financial lock-in effect increases as the mortgage rates rise and the size of the mortgage increases. That's why move out if you must move down or pay more to move up. So rising rates may keep existing homeowners staying put while inventory is sitting at a historic low. And it's a bit of a self-perpetuating cycle because the other supply constraint is rooted in the uniqueness of the housing market. And we've talked about this before, where in most markets, the seller makes the decision to add supply to the market independent of the buyer. Yet in the housing market, the seller and the buyer are, in many cases, the same person, the existing homeowner. To buy a new home, you must also sell the home you already own and then find a home you like better. So when supply is constrained, as in today's market, it becomes really difficult to find a better home than what you already own. The existing owner faces the dilemma of whether to sell or not when they fear not being able to find something to buy. So what does all of this mean for the upcoming spring home buying season? That's right. The economic term that we try to avoid in that uh, what you just described is the heterogeneous good. Housing, fortunately or unfortunately, is a practically perfectly heterogeneous good. And so it matters what's available for sale because not anything is a replacement. And while we do believe that existing home inventory will still likely pick up ahead of the spring home buying season this year, because people make the decision to sell and buy for many other reasons than just the purely financial. We've made the joke about you know being rational economic uh, behaviors, and that's not necessarily the case when it comes to our home buying decisions. They want to move to a different city, buy a bigger and better home, or down- downsize for li- lifestyle reasons. Plenty of good reasons why. That inventory does tend to pick up in the spring, but it's still likely that it will remain true in 22. That There will be more, but it still won't be enough, just not as much as when mortgage rates are falling. So still a little bit more supply coming on in the spring, not quite enough to meet demand, so still putting that upward pressure on prices. All right, well, perhaps a recap is in order before we wrap up. I think we talked about a lot in this episode. The first, shelter inflation is on the rise, but existing homeowners, which is nearly 66% of Americans, will not experience it. But potential first-time homebuyers sure will. As rates continue to go up, existing homeowners will have less incentive to sell, putting downward pressure on inventory. That means it'll likely be another competitive spring home buying season. But as we've discussed in previous episodes, if affordability continues to decline, it will prompt some buyers to pull back from the market and bidding wars to subside, which will result in a moderation of house price growth. 
Well, that's it for today. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the Reconomy podcast. If you have an economics related question you'd like us to feature on a future episode, you can email us at economics at firstam.com. We love to hear from our listeners. And be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. You can also sign up for our blog at firstam.com slash economics. And if you can't wait for the next episode, you can follow us on Twitter. It's at Odetokushi for me and at mflemingecon for Mark. Until next time. Hope you enjoyed this episode of the Reconomy podcast from First American. For even more economic content, visit firstam.com economics. This episode is copyright 2022 by First American Financial Corporation. All rights reserved.